Uh, I'm going to read this morning from, from Luke, uh, Luke chapter 18. And if you have your Bible or your phone, you may like to read along. I haven't got it up on the screen. Uh, Luke 18, verse 35, we're going to start from. And we're going to go to, through to 19, verse 10. Before we do, I'll, I'll pray. Jesus, thank you for your, for your uh, incredible love and grace that, that flows for us, towards us. Uh, we can't outrun it. Uh, thank you that you've given us um, your full affection. Jesus, we read your word, we, we, we trust that you will speak to us, that you will reveal yourself to us, reminding us of the things that we need to be reminded of, guiding us as we need to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 18.35 As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Luke places these two stories next to each other for a reason. It appears to be chronological, but it also allows us to look at these stories side by side. It gives us a glimpse into what was important to Luke, the writer, and what he was wanting to emphasise about Jesus. It's easy for us, to, in first observation, to, to look and to see the differences of, between these two men. The blind man was unknown. He was without a name. 
Zacchaeus is known by his name. The blind man was a poor beggar. Zacchaeus was a dishonest yet wealthy businessman. Under the Roman occupation of Israel, the blind man's suffering was no doubt increased. For Zacchaeus, he benefited as a tax collector under the Roman Empire. The blind man was completely powerless. Zacchaeus had access to power. The blind man was outside the city, Zacchaeus inside the city. But are they really that different? As we take a closer look, we see that there actually is quite a lot of similarities between these two men. Both men are desperate to encounter Jesus. Both men's lives are changed as a result of encountering Jesus. However, both men evoked a strong and hostile response from the crowd. The crowd had no time for either men and probably preferred it if they remained out of sight. Both men, we can assume, were hated and to be avoided and failed to meet the standards society had set for them. We can assume that both men are loners, both men are without friends, both men are are outside a community. We can assume also that from this deep rejection, there would have been no doubt a deep ache in both of their hearts. And in both instances, the crowds were actually a little indignant as to why Jesus would spend time with such people. The one thing I find most compelling in, this, in these two stories these two men share in common, is that Jesus notices both of them. He hears the blind man. He sees Zacchaeus. This noticing, this offering of of dignity and respect is what led to their transformation. Jesus notices those who are forgotten. Jesus sees those who are avoided. Those who are nameless and those that are unknown. He notices the unlovely and the undesirables. He notices the uncelebrated and the unimportant people of the world. That is the type of God that we gather together this morning to remember. He notices those who don't have it all together. Those who know they are far from perfect, worn out, burnt out, tossed aside. People who are tired of trying to live up to standards. He notices those who steal. He notices those who beg. 
He notices the weary and the exhausted and those who are sick and those who have given up on life and have nothing more to give to anyone. Jesus notices. The blind man and Zacchaeus cast aside by society, forgotten and considered worthless. Jesus says to them, I hear you. I see you. You are important. In this instance of being recognised and offered dignity, affirmed as a person and, and embraced as fully human, both men's worlds are turned upside down. An encounter with the relentless compassion and love of God changes these men's lives forever. Jesus is saying to them, he's saying to us, he's saying to every inch of creation, I hear you and I see you and I love you just as you are. Not as you should be, but right as you are. Your past or your present situation does not disqualify you from knowing or encountering me. God's abounding love is not restricted by what we have done or haven't done. God's nature is love. And it's an outpouring of who he is. His love knows no seasons of change. It doesn't wake up one morning and go, nah, I'm tired of you, I'm sick of you. It is steadfast and constant. God has a single relentless stance towards us. And that is love. Jesus sees us in our poverty, in our neglect, in our shame, in our guilt, in our violence, in our unfaithfulness, in our pain. He sees it all and yet he says to us, you are enough. Just as you are, you are loved. And you are mine. Have I made the point? <laughs> this is our good news, right? We are God's beloved. That is, for me, a worn-out, washed-up missionary. It's not what I do, but I'm simply God's beloved. This message is for you, as you are. Now, I look across here, and there's grey hairs and bodies that can't do what they used to do. And no doubt, you know, if only I could do more. Rest knowing that you are God's beloved. For our families and for our neighbours, for this wonderful creation that we're a part of, we are God's beloved. Point made. Twelve years ago, we moved to a slum community because 
uh, as good evangelical Christians, we thought that's what we had to do to earn God's favour. It's about what we do, is it not? <laughs> not at all. We moved to a slum community because Jody and I had an experience of God, as I've just talked about, that says to us, you are enough, and this message is for you, and this message is for the world, and I'm inviting you to go and be that message. And so we moved to a slum community with over 80,000 people um, in, in, in a very small area, two square kilometres, uh, small dwellings um, thrown together. And it's a, um, a, a, a neighbourhood that has a reputation of violence and drugs and, uh, and gangs and, and uh, not much good, actually, will come from this neighbourhood. So the saying goes... Uh, a few years ago, a celebrity posted on Facebook about how beautiful Bangkok is. And it's the jewel in the crown of Thailand. And, uh, and she said, except there's one place that is a cancer and it's a tumour on our city that needs to be removed. And that is this, this, this community of Klong Toy, a slum community. She wrote this publicly, our neighbours read it, and it reinforced what they've been told, that they are forgotten, that they are worthless, and that they do not have a place in society. Our work and our vocation is, is rather simple, and it's to go to such places and present an alternative narrative, to say, you are loved. It is to carry on the work that Jesus began and was empowered to do by the Spirit. In Luke 4, it says, Jesus stands up in the, in the temple and he reads out from, from the text, I've come to proclaim good news to the poor, proclaiming freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Our work is simple. Our work is primarily to notice. Notice those who are forgotten, those who have been cast aside, the lame and the hated and the vulnerable and the weary, and to offer an alternative narrative to what the world is saying. And that is, we are loved furiously by God, passionately by God. And we see that in the life of Jesus over and over. One of our favourite stories um, is, 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 a, is about a young girl doing, and we run Kids Club, and Kids Club is a great place for noticing kids, kids who are tucked away and uh, stuck in the house, and we, every Saturday we'd run youth club. We, uh, we, would, um, we first noticed Duan when she was singing the Thai national anthem out the front of our house as a, as a young girl, maybe an eight-year-old or nine-year-old. And as we went out to explore, we noticed that Duan was blind and that uh, she, she uh, 
was born blind, uh, born to a mother who, who didn't want her. Her mother tried to abort her and as a result didn't, ended up um, without a sight. Uh, Dern wasn't wanted. Uh, the schools didn't want her, so she didn't go to school. Uh, so she was left in a tiny little shack. Maybe once a day her grandma would bring her out and sit her out in front of our place where there's a big open area. And she found joy and delight and freedom in, in singing. But Dern's world was small, tiny, tiny. Just the slum. And, uh, one day we, we took the kids in our, in our neighbourhood to a, to a park where it's a big open space and we hire bikes and the kids ride off and, and, and off they go. On this particular hot Bangkok morning, we, we uh, were sitting out under the tree and all the kids were, were everywhere, running around, riding around, and he's doing... And, uh, sitting with, with Jade and I and a few of the other helpers. And we looked at the space and we thought, you know what, Dylan could actually run around here. It's safe for her to run without banging into anything or hurting herself. I took her by the hand and said, come on, Dylan. You're going to go for a little run, yeah? <laughs> I took her hand and I started to, to just jog along slowly with her. And uh, she was nervous as anything and... and and terrified that she was going to bang into something. She soon realised that she could trust what was happening, that it was safe. And within moments, we just were able to sit back and watch doing a run and jump and dance and skip like she'd never done before. We sat there and recognised the holiness of the situation, the magnitude of someone stepping into their humanity, experiencing for the first time to run and dance and skip. What a beautiful picture of what it means to step into God's loving arms. Over the years, we've advocated for Dern and she's been accepted into a school uh, for blind kids where she's learned to read and write uh, Braille. And she's had the opportunity to use her singing in front of the royal family, which is a huge honour. Uh, we, we delight in, in seeing people uh, step into who God has made them. Milk is a, was a young man in our neighbourhood, again, was part of our youth club. A young man that dropped out of school at 12 or 13, tattoos um, on the pathway to prison, as, as is the case for most of our young men. Uh, we started an internship uh, and uh, invited Mill and a few other guys to come and, and work with us at, at our second-hand shop that we run, and, uh, and as well as work, uh, giving them an opportunity to learn. We had to fund their, their, their program for the year, um, and it was incredible to watch Mill, who was on this trajectory of, of choosing drugs and gangs and um, unhealthy choices, step into this responsibility and been a part of a community that cared and welcomed him at, at second chance. The year came to an end and the boys went their way. Mill came back sheepishly, probably 12 months later, says, 
I'd really love to, to work with you guys. Is there any way I could? Mel had got his driver's licence, has been a part of the internship program, so he's now has become our, our driver for pickups. And is, is, as a 19-year-old, as a he's taking care of his elderly grandmother who raised him. He's making choices to look after his siblings. He's making choices to be a part of a community, actually, where he belongs. When Jesus saw these two men, the blind man and Zacchaeus, he saw who they could be. He saw their potential. For Zacchaeus moved towards compassion and generosity and welcome and, and an outpouring of this uh, just incredible love. For the blind man, he was up and following Jesus courageously into an unknown world. We've seen that when people are noticed and that they know they are loved, there is movement towards compassion, welcome, hospitality. They want to share what they have been given. One of the projects I mentioned, we started Second Chance Bangkok and I've got a short video that we'd like to show and I think it encapsulates really beautifully what we've, uh, yeah, what God has, has been able to do. Uh, okay, so the concept's really simple. We run a second-hand shop and the donations that are given to us by expat communities can be dropped off here or we can pick them up. Uh, we have a, a group of people who go and collect things every day and it comes here, then we have a team who sorts through the, the items, um, they label them, they price them um, and we, we bring up some of the, the clothings and the women are able to then transform those unwanted, unloved, worn out items and turn them into something really beautiful. started Second Chance, we anticipated that it would create some employment and maybe provide access to good quality second-hand goods for people in our community and, and that we felt like that was actually meeting a really important need and, and, it, and it really does but um, the deeper stuff was the, is the stuff of the, um, 
of the self-worth and dignity living in a slum where the common thread or the common voice that they hear is that you're not good enough, you know, you deserve this. We're giving an alternative voice to that. Um, we're breaking down those lies and saying, hey, no, actually you are worth so much um, and, and we think that you've got so much to offer and we want you to discover all those things that you have to offer as well. เหมือนแบบว่ามันกําลังจะเสียคนหรือว่าไม่มีที่พึ่งทางไหนเลยแล้วเราได้มาทํางานที่นี่เราได้รู้จักทุกคนผู้ใหญ่สอนเราในการท
in Bangkok, here, wherever we may be. It isn't complex, friends. Uh, we go in tenderness, we go in gentleness, we go in joy, we go in peace, in the power and the grace of the Spirit. And we offer an alternative. That you are loved. That you are noticed. That we are known. God is saying to each of us, you are enough just as you are. This is the good news of Jesus. Amen.